How many of you like pork? Bacon. Clayton bragged last week all, for a month about chicken biscuits. I like sausage biscuits better, but chicken biscuits are great too. Pork chops, you like pork chops, ham. Pretty good subject about 35 minutes before lunch to talk about, isn't it? To keep you uh, from listening to me now, I'm thinking about uh, the sizzling smell of uh, the swine. Well, this morning in Mark chapter 5, we're going to look at pork, but not in a culinary way. Uh, in a, believe it or not, in a, uh, a really weird, very significant story, an encounter that Jesus had. Mark chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, if you don't, the scriptures will be on the screen. And let me begin by saying this, because I, I know this is true. You, this morning, you have needs and issues, don't you? Point at somebody around you that has an issue. You have needs and you have issues. Our, our uh, star of our story today, believe you me, this dude had, he had some issues going on. Mark chapter 5, read with me. We're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 10. Uh, it says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Don't you know the disciples were like, Jesus, you go first. <laughs> you go, here comes this demon-possessed guy. You, you can get out of the boat first, Jesus. You go ahead. And the man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons of his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And verse 5, night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. And in verse 9, Jesus asked him, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Okay, if you remember two weeks ago, we looked at a story where Jesus and his guys had got on the boat on the Sea of Galilee, also called the Lake of Gennesaret, and they are, they are traveling at night. And remember, Jesus falls asleep and a terrible storm kicks up. You remember that story? They get Jesus up. They're mad at him. They're, they're, they think he's failed them. And he calms the storm and then everything's cool. Well, this is where they were going and where they land. Let's show us our map, Brian. They're on the Sea of Galilee in my little port. There it is. And they probably left around Capernaum. And they're going right around in here to these two cities and this is a, a place called the, the Decapolis, ten cities, uh, are the Gerasenes, and that's where they were, had landed, and they apparently landed uh, in, a, in a graveyard, which is a pre pretty interesting place. This is, a, uh, this is not a Jewish place. Jew Jesus and probably all the men with him at this time were Jewish people. This is a non-Jewish place, and you're going to see that in a minute, moment with the pigs. It was very Greek, very Greek-oriented. And as they land in this spot and they, they get out in this graveyard, a, a man, the Bible says basically, that was filled with demons. Now, demon possession is for another sermon at another time, but it is a real thing. It was and it still is. And this, this guy was literally filled, I hate to say it, filled to the brim 
uh, with demons, and he ran at Jesus, which uh, in that, that culture was a, a, a hostile thing. I mean, it'd be, if, you're, if you were today at McDonald's and somebody you didn't know came running at you, that, that's kind of a hostile thing. But he fell at his feet, which was kind of a, a humble act. Well, this guy's really a messed up guy. And Jesus recognizes he is demon-possessed. And he asked him, what is your name? Now, now, folks, the Bible never names any demon but Satan, Lucifer, the devil. In fact, the Bible only names two angels, Michael and Gabriel. Uh, but apparently in the realm of the un, unseen world, where we will see someday that angels and demons do have names, and this demon, or the, the spokesperson for the demon, said, our name is Legion. Now, it's interesting. A Roman a legion was a, was a particular t- a group of soldiers, and it was 6,826 soldiers made up a legion. It was a unit of soldiers, a legion, 6,826 soldiers. So was this man saying that we are 6,826 demons? I don't know. He was either saying that literally, or he was saying that we, we are a bunch of us in here. It says they, they literally, they handcuffed him and they bound him and he would break the handcuffs. Now, to give you a picture of how hard that is, Josh, come up here this morning. We have, we have some official Lincoln Parish handcuffs that have probably been on Josh before on another occasion uh, that we won't uh, talk about today. You're a better expert at these. So I'm going to handcuff Josh. And get him a little tight there, too. <clears throat> You got your watch on, and I told you not to wear that. Okay, Josh is a Josh is a big, burly, young, healthy man. Josh, see if you can break your way out of those. No, <laughs> when you use a dummy for a stunt, you can expect something dumb to happen, can't you? Wayne, hide the key, please, and we will, uh, we will give it to Janelle about 5 o'clock this afternoon. So thank you, Josh. Uh, I should have figured that was going to go bad, shouldn't I? But to, to let you know that in the Bible, when someone was demon-possessed, here's some of the things you see. They oftentimes, they oftentimes had tremendous physical problems, hearing, seeing, being able to walk. They certainly had uh, mental problems, we would say mental issues. Uh, but they also a lot of times possessed great strength and great power. And this guy, and, and listen, I'm not trying to be funny at all. I mean, it's not funny. He ran around naked in the graveyard, basically. And, and he was demon-possessed. He was crazy. Uh, and, and he it was supernaturally powered. How many of you agree this guy had issues? You think your kid's bad. I mean, <laughs> this guy had issues. Now, here's the, here's the non-funny thing, is that you've got issues too. Uh, I know that because I'm one of you, and I have issues. Uh, you know, in the last four or five years in America... The people who have been hardest hit economically are people like you and me. Uh, you know, the, when, when the billionaires get on TV and say, we are not paying enough taxes, I'd scream at the TV and say, write the check, pal. Send it in. Nobody's holding you back from paying more taxes. But the, the people like us are the ones the economy is hurt the most, if you study it very much. 
You know, in America, one out of ten Americans suffers from depression at some time in their life, which probably means this morning uh, we've got certainly people in this room and we've had in the building today people who are struggling with different types of depression. Forty million Americans struggle with anxiety issues. That means that we've got people in this room that struggle with it. And still the divorce rates in our country are staggering. Forty to fifty percent of people who marry end up divorced. And somewhere in those categories, probably you and I fall. We have issues. We have problems. Whether it's our family, our home, our business, our physical or emotional health, we have issues. Now, here is what I want to see. What happens when we get Jesus involved? Okay? It's not a question of if you have issues. You do. It's not a question of if you will have issues because you will. But here's a solution, and that's Jesus Christ. What happens when you bring Jesus in to the equation? I'm going to give you four things. Here's the first. Things will get better when Jesus is involved. And when I use the word involved this morning, I'm not talking about just kind of a casual acquaintance. I'm talking about what happens when you let Jesus come in and take control of your life and situation. Things will first, they will, they're going to get better. Uh, verse 11 through 15, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the, the nearby hillside. Again, this lets you know Jewish people would not have had a large flock of pigs. Uh, in this day, they considered them unclean animals. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go in them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out of the man, went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. In verse 15, when they came to to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more in a moment about the pigs and the demons and all that, but... Why did Jesus cast these demons into these pigs? I, I think it was for, for several reasons, but, but one primarily was he wanted this man and he wanted these people to see that this guy had been healed. It gave a real visual that the demons had left this man, they had gone out of this man into something else, and they had disappeared, okay? Things got better immediately for this man. Here was a man that was, was a raving demon-possessed lunatic. And almost instantaneously, when Jesus got involved, his life changed forever. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you this morning. You make a decision, even in this hour, that you're going to let Jesus Christ run your life. You're going to invite him back in or into your marriage or situation, whatever's going on. I'm not going to promise you that instantaneously everything's going to get absolutely well like it did for this guy. But here's what I want to promise you. Things are going to get better. You're going to be on the right road. You're going to be headed in the right direction. You're going to end up where you want to be, not only eternally, but here on this earth. So when you bring Jesus in and you open the door and you let him take over the situation... Things eventually, for sure, those are two key words or phrases, eventually, for sure, will get better, okay? But here's the second part of this equation. When Jesus comes in, changes are going to take place. Now, this is where it starts getting a little hairy. If I just stop the sermon on the things getting better, it's good, but that's not the complete teaching of this passage. 
when you, when you let Jesus into your business, your life, your, your relationships, when, when you're a young person and you say, I'm going to let Jesus Christ dictate where I go to college, what I study, what I do with my life, if you're an older person and you decide to let Jesus do those things, uh, wherever you are in your life station, things will get better, but there's going to be some changes that are going to take place in verse 13. He gave them permission. The evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they were drowned. Verse 15, when they came, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Pigs were gone. Somebody's business had been turned upside down. If you were the pig farmer, things changed instantaneously, didn't you? Now, if you're the demon-possessed man, you went from being crazy to being normal just like that. If this was your child or your family member, things changed greatly, but they did change. And folks, one thing I know is that we are afraid of change. One thing about change that's always true is people don't like change. One thing that will never change about change is we don't like change. You get that? That's true. We don't like change. It's funny. Eight-year-olds don't like it, and 88-year-olds don't like it even, even more. We're, we're uncomfortable. We're scared when things are going to be different. But let me just tell you the gospel truth. When you make a decision to quit playing with God and that you really turn your life, your situation, your relationships, your family, your finances, your emotional, whatever's going on in your life, and you turn it over to God, things will get better, but when Christ comes in, things will be different. You know why so many churches sit and meet and, and, and retreat and never do very much? is because, man, they, they don't want the change that's going to happen if they open up and say, God, we're yours that's true of your life and my life the second thing is change will take place when Christ comes in here's the third thing and this is a little scarier there's a price to pay there'll be a price to pay when Christ comes in I want to read verse 13 to you one more time he gave them permission the evil spirits came out went to the pigs the herd about 2,000 in number rushed down in the steep bank into the lake which was the sea of Galilee and they were drowned. Now, go with me in your mind there just for a minute. Can you imagine? It's probably just at the break of day. Jesus is just, I mean, you're one of Jesus' guys and you're with him. And you're seeing all this take place. I mean, when the demon-possessed guy's coming up, I mean, you're like me. You're like pushing the other disciples to the front, aren't you? Go get him, Jesus. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Jesus heals this guy. And then you see these pigs frenzied, crazy, demon-possessed pigs begin to run. And apparently it was a steep cliff, and they begin to dive off this cliff one by one, five by five, and they're dying. And you're going, my goodness gracious. I mean, what happened to the man's awesome, but this whole thing is pretty scary when you think about it. The man was healed, and it was tremendous but you know, somebody lost a lot of pigs that day, didn't they? 
And I sat with that this week because it was easy for me to get up and say, it's easy for me to say when Christ gets involved, things will get better. It's going to be easy for me at the end of the sermon to challenge you to let Christ be involved. But but it's a struggle to say, why did somebody have to lose 2,000 pigs? And you can't just say, well, Jewish people didn't like pigs, so Jesus let them die. That's just not what the situation was. And here's what I came up with. Maybe this was what it was going to take to wake that community up. Maybe the owners of those pigs, and it may have been several families, maybe it was going to take their business being turned upside down before they were going to stop and say, oh my goodness, I need God in my life. Maybe it was going to take such a disaster, such a financial wreckage, such an upside down of their life that they were finally going to humble themselves and get on their knees and say, God, we need you. And man, I hope that doesn't happen in your life. And I, don't, I hope it doesn't happen in mine. But you need to understand when Christ gets involved, things are going to change. And that's going to mean probably that there's going to be some things you're going to have to give up and you're going to have to quit if Christ is going to be involved. Someone said, that when you turn your life or your situation over to Jesus, it's almost like remodeling a house or your business. If you've ever remodeled your home or we remodeled this church before or your house, it, it, it always costs more than you thought it was going to cost. It always takes longer than you thought it was going to take, and it's always messier than you thought it was going to be. Amen? That's the truth. And with Christ, things will get better. But what you've got to understand is that there is a price to pay. Some things are just going to have to flat out go. And let me give you the fourth thing here. It's going to have to be on Jesus' terms. And this is tough too. Guys, when Jesus came to this situation, he didn't call a committee meeting. He didn't get the disciples together and say, let's vote on how we should do this. And I'm not against committees or voting, but I think a committee or votes only as good as if, God, if they've heard from God. And here's Jesus. He's God, so he didn't need to get the committee together or he didn't need to have the majority vote. He said, this is what's got to happen for this man to be healed and this com- community to be shaken up. And it happened. And, and you and I, we struggle with wanting to control things, don't we? You want to control your husband or your wife or your kids or your parents. You want to control your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your friends or your community or your church or your business. And then Jesus comes in and he goes, you know what? I can make your life so much better. I can set you on a course that is a victorious course, but you cannot be the one in control. You remember the old bumper stickers, God is my co-pilot? You remember those bumper stickers? If you ever had that, I am not making fun of you or kicking you at all. But God does not want to be your co-pilot. God wants to be the pilot. Make sense? God wants to be flying the plane, not sitting beside you helping you. Elvis Presley sang a song. I think Frank Sinatra sang it first, but that was way before my time. Elvis is before my time, in my opinion. But I did it my way. How many of you remember that song? I wanted Sarah to sing that this morning, but she wouldn't do it. I did it my way, Elvis. I'll probably be sued by Elvis Presley Incorporated for that uh, imitation. 
But you know, that's the song of America, isn't it? I did it my way. And that's not how it works with Christ. Christ weighs a whole lot better. But understand, if you're going to get Jesus involved, it's going to be on his terms. So here's what I want to ask you this morning. Do you really want Jesus involved? Most of us like the product. It's the process we don't like. Correct? What is the product? Losing weight. Saving, having a lot of money by saving and not spending. You can add the product on and on and on. We like the product. The process is what we don't like, correct? With Jesus, you don't get the product without the process. So I want to ask you, do you really want him involved? Let me tell you, first of all, for many of us, the answer is no. That sounds really brutal, but just stay with me for a moment. And this story is, is so great and it's so sad, all wrapped, in, all wrapped in, in the same segment. In verse 16 and 17, those who had seen it, those, those who had seen the miracle told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed men, and they told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Here was a man that was an absolute raving lunatic, a complete disaster, dangerous to himself and everybody else. And he had been dramatically healed. Yes, there was a price that went with that. But what, the, what this passage literally says is that the people prayed to Jesus. Of course, he's standing there. Emphatically, it's like some of them may have been beating on the, the, the rocks and said, Jesus, please leave. We've seen what you can do and how awesome and how great it is. But Jesus, we understand apparently in this short time that if you're going to be involved, that means we're not in control and that things are going to change and that there's going to be some prices to pay and we don't want that. And the terrible thing, you know what it says? Jesus got in the boat and he left. Listen, God's a gentleman. And anywhere he's not wanted, he won't stay. You know, somebody said about these people, they wanted the swine more than they wanted the Savior. They were more concerned about pigs than they were concerned about people. And that's the absolute truth. Years ago, I heard a story. It was two ladies, and one of them was conveying this story to me at a later time. One went to a church in their community that was, it was on fire. People got saved. They used the baptistry. It was exciting. The other one went to a church where it was pretty dull, where the, uh, the, uh, the preaching, they just kind of, you know, basically told you every week, go out and smile and be nice. And the Sunday school teacher said the same thing. And, 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 and I'm not at all for trying to get someone to leave their church and come to your church That's what this woman was kind of trying to do. But here's what she said. She told her friend, she said, look, your preacher's a nice guy, but it's boring. It's not challenging. Your your Sunday school teachers, it's boring. It's not challenging. And her friend stopped her and said, boring and not challenging is exactly what we want. (laughs) 
We don't want Jesus involved. In Milton's Paradise Lost, at one point his character Satan says this, I would rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. I would rather be the big shot in hell than serve God in heaven. And you know, I know this morning, I believe with all my heart this morning, there's not a person in here who wants to rule in hell. There's not a person in here probably who would say, I will take boring, irrelevant over something that's, that's biblical. But here's where many of us are. We are comfortable being uncomfortable. We're, we're okay being average. We can look at ourselves and say, I'm as good as they are. I'm better than a lot of people at the high school. You know, I don't read my Bible and pray much. I don't criticize and complain that much. We, we, have, we have lived subpar for so long, are abs, below normal for so long, we look at normal as abnormal. And the thought of Jesus getting involved and turning our world upside down, even though it'll be better, we would rather stay comfortable in our discomfort. Here's what I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you this morning to say yes to Jesus. One guy in the story did. In verse 18 through 20, it it ends so beautifully. As Jesus was getting in the boat, not beautiful, the man who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus to go with him. He, He comes from being a maniac to a missionary right there. Jesus did not let him go, but he said, Go home and tell your family how much the Lord has done for you and how much mercy he has had on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. One guy got it, didn't he? One guy was changed. Jesus said, Look, It's great you want to go and be a foreign missionary, and I need a lot of people to do that. I need you to be a home missionary. Go back home and start telling people about Jesus. That's exactly what he did. I want to tell you this morning, I tried to tell you the truth. When you invite Jesus into your marriage, into your relationships, into your decisions, and you say, you take over, Jesus, my finances, my emotional state, my physical state, our church, your life. You say, Jesus, take over. Yes, Things will be different. Yes, there's a price to pay. Yes, it's got to be done on his terms. But friend, it's the best way. It's the right way. You may not see immediate change, but you will see change. You're on the right road when you're on the road with God running the ship. And again, not only eternally will you get to where you want to be, but you will get to where you want to be in this life. I challenge you this morning, no matter what the cost may be, no matter how hard it may be, you say yes to Jesus being the captain of your ship. Will you pray with me? This morning, if you're a Christian, I challenge you, challenge you to examine your heart and say yes to Jesus. Whatever area it is, he's touching you and convicting you about right now. If you're not a Christian, would you just pray with me where you are? Maybe you're not sure if you're a Christian. And just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. 
And I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's son. I accept that you died and that you arose from me. And Jesus, come into my heart this morning. Today, I give you my life.